0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho. Duro. Parlay. Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the Entertainment Edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Check out the T Public store, the Patreon link, which we have a new episode going to be dropping for our patrons early this week. You definitely want to keep an eye out for that. The Parlay Points blog section, the Classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. The music section, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 114,000. Sounds about right. So if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, I don't know what else we can do. So that's why we say go to the directory. Find us on your favorite podcatcher, give us a five-star rating, and definitely spread the word of the show, because it definitely helps out getting more people involved in the conversation to talk with you, and always remember, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com, and always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, we have to give our review of the biggest movie at the box office. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely setting some records, making some noise. Yeah. And that is Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Came out to a big, big opening weekend. Pat, I know you got open in numbers.
1: Yeah, so uh, domestically over the weekend, it made $180,000 at the box office, which, fun little fact, uh, it is the second biggest opening weekend in North America this year. And it is the biggest November domestic opening movie ever. Uh, And then for uh, totals, as we record, uh, it's at $180 million domestically, $150,000 internationally, which gives it a worldwide total of $330 million.
0: Not too bad. No. Not too bad at all, especially for one of the most anticipated movies of the year. And it definitely has a reaction online. So that being said, we are going to give you, the ODPH Society our review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. If you're new to the show, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. What we like to do is give a spoiler-free statement about the movie or topic we're going to discuss. Then we give you a countdown. In case you haven't seen it, we don't want to ruin anything for anybody. So we give you fair time to duck out. If you need to pause this podcast, jump back in after you've seen it. You have all the tools at your disposal, so we can't spoil anything for you. But after that countdown goes off, we go into a deep dive of the spoiler talk of Marvel Studios' latest project, and we're not going to hold anything back. So that said, Pad, give me your spoiler-free statement about Black Panther Wakanda Forever.
1: This movie was everything I could have hoped for, and then some. It was a wonderful tribute to the late Chadwick Boseman, who, of course, played the title role of uh, King T'Challa, you know, Black Panther. And it was also, you know, like a healing period, you know, a mourning period, you know, for fans to really... Come to terms with the fact that he's gone, just because mm. you know, for for reasons that be, you know, the character hasn't been mentioned since what the end of uh, Endgame, I believe so. You know, we we saw them at the Wakandan embassy in New York, where I presume it was New York at the end of Endgame. You know, and and we really haven't seen or heard from, you know, I guess the Wakandan first family. You mm-hmm. know, there might have been a mention of Wakanda, or or maybe even you know, there was obviously the. Dora Milaje showed up in one of the TV series. I forget which one at this point, you know, but in terms of like the first family, we haven't seen or heard from them, you know? So it, it was nice to kind of have that grieving period along with them, you know, and then kind of to have the healing process and, and moving forward, you know, because time doesn't stop for anything. It keeps marching
0: forward, mm-hmm.
1: you know? So to, to get kind of like the whole grief, the five stages of of grief and dealing with death in one movie it was unique. It was, you know, because I know there have been films in the past where the actor has passed away, and you know, then the movie comes out. But th- this was this felt unique. It felt different, and it, it, that was in a good way. And so I really enjoyed it.
0: It was a wonderful tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who unfortunately had passed away, and obviously the impact that he made on the Marvel universe. Everybody involved with in this film definitely wanted to pay him proper tribute moving forward, and they did an absolutely fantastic job. It. Definitely captured the spirit of the first movie. It went into a couple different directions. They introduced some brand new faces to the MCU that are going to be big names moving forward. Mm-hmm. But it took nothing away from the overall emotional roller coaster of, like you touched upon, the stages of grief that we all go through. That obviously connecting with the character and the actor that played him. Yeah, you know this was a a healing process that definitely worked for the fan base who, we like you touched on, we have not heard anything about Wakanda since Endgame mm-hmm. other than when the Dora Maje appeared in Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's what it was, okay. But since then, it's been very quiet about what this film was going to be about. Yeah. There's a lot of online speculation of who was going to be here. We did know that there was going to be certain characters getting added to the mix and how everybody just gelled together. It was a wonderful movie. It definitely captured a lot of of attention and rightfully so of how well it was done. And just like I say, it was a fitting and beautiful tribute to the late Chadwick Boseman and for this next stage of where the MCU is going to go to as well at the same time. So definitely worthwhile going to check out for the 240 or yeah two hour and 40 minute mark, but one that definitely we have a lot to talk about with that. So that being said in three, two, one pad, talk to me. This film was amazing from start to finish. I swear to God, if
1: Angela Bassett doesn't get at least nominated for something for this movie, I'm going to have real issues with the uh, the Academy, you know, the uh, folks who nominate stuff for the Academy Awards. Because, my God, this was a performance, you know, that you, you would not normally see in any other comic book anything. You know, movie, TV show, short, video game. This was uh, her performance in this movie was otherworldly. I mean, there was the scene between her and I believe it was Lupita Nyong'o in the throne room where, you know, and, and they showed it in the trailer where she's screaming, you know, oh, I've lost my whole family. But just once you get the full context of that scene, holy shit, like Angela Bassett stepped it up a whole other level in this movie. You know, and everybody else in this movie really stepped their game up too. you know, uh, you know, like a Wright, right Lupita Nyong'o, you know, Denai Guerrero, Winston Duke. They were all fantastic in this movie. You know, and, and it didn't feel like the shine was on one particular person that it, like the spotlight was on everybody, you know, and everybody had their own little stories going on. It The, the pacing was great. You know, the action sequences were otherworldly. You know, some of the best action sequences I've seen in a Marvel movie since Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. You know, Shang-Chi, I think, is still better. But damn, this one comes close. You know, so overall,
0: fantastic movie. You definitely need to go see it. Give Angela Bassett all the awards right now. Yeah. Incredible performance in this movie. Just cannot rave about her portrayal enough. I thought everybody really took this movie to a different level. I thought that everybody's acting really brought the most emotion out Mm -hmm. to really set the tone for where this project was going to be going. Because we had known that, obviously... We're going to be having some new characters introduced. Yep. Some new faces. We're going to be showing up in the MCU. The biggest one that I think we all had question marks about was Namor. Mm-hmm. And Tinoch Huerta. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You want to God talk damn. about Star Appeal? You want to talk about the next big thing in MCU? Boom.
1: That was quite possibly his introduction and just kind of like the whole, his whole uh, Cruise introduction, you know, fairly early in the film might have been the best introduction they've done in Marvel history. It's up there. It, you know, just from they came in, they wrecked shit, they left. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was no time for dilly-dally. There was no chit-chat. There was no quick one-liners. You know, came in, wrecked house, left.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought that they did a great job introducing him. And I thought they did an amazing job introducing Dominique Thorne, a.k.a. Riri Williams, yeah. as Ironheart. Yeah. That if you didn't understand where the hype was with this character, you are now fully locked and loaded mm-hmm. for whenever that Disney Plus show is coming. Sure, I think a lot of stuff might have been changed from the comics a little bit, but oh, it, didn't, sure. it didn't matter. Like that's where this movie really shined at. I thought that everybody, from Latita Wright to Lupita Nuango, mm-hmm. to Denai Guerrera, to Wilson Duke, to, you know, everybody in this cast that was in the first one really brought this movie and poured so much heart and emotion into this Mm -hmm. that you couldn't just help but be moved watching it and just really felt just how the storyline, once it got going, you really understood about how impactful Chadwick Boseman was Mm -hmm. and just how they really wanted to make this such a wonderful tribute to him. And obviously, when they kick off with the movie, they didn't shy away from his passing. No, And they really – what I mean by that is – you instantly open the film and Shuri is there trying to find a way to save T'Challa.
1: Which was surprising. I, I figured we'd see something involving the death, you know, or he'd be already dead at the start. Did not expect to see this.
0: No, definitely didn't expect to see this. But they open up that, yeah, he is passing from an illness. They didn't say they, what. They didn't. I thought they handled this perfectly. Yeah. And just Shuri just was trying to recreate the heart-shaped herb that mm-hmm. gives the Black Panther the power. Yep. Couldn't do it in time.
1: And, of course, the issue with that being is in the last film, if you remember or don't remember, uh, Killmonger destroyed them all. Right. So so that was the issue. She's trying to synthetically create it while comparing it with her brother's DNA. And she's working with like, and I forget the exact percentages, but they were in like the 25%
0: range. Yeah, the, nothing cleared 30.
1: Well, like nothing cleared 30. And even her AI that was working on her with it, it was even like, you know, princess, this probably won't work. And mm. she's like, I don't care. Do it.
0: Yeah, but unfortunately, she can't get it done in time. Yeah. And then from here, we go to the traditional Marvel crawl. Mm-hmm. But they go and give a f- wonderful tribute here. Yeah,
1: so they took, i at least I think they took, the uh, they they changed it from what it normally is. And I think they used the one from when he died initially. Because when he died initially, they went to the crawl for Black Panther 1 on Disney+. Mm-hmm. And switched it up to alt T'Challa. Yeah, I think if if memory serves, because I haven't seen Black Panther one in in a while, I think they I, I think they just took that again. But then this time, instead of putting any any sort of anything, while this title this title sequence is going on, dead silence. Yeah, and, and even in our theater, you could legitimately hear a pin drop.
0: Yeah, no, every, it was a very powerful scene. You know. moment of silence. Absolutely. So. Everybody was paying very, very much respect to the late Chadwick Boseman here. Then we jump back into the film. We already had the funeral for Mm -hmm. Black Panther. It's now one year after. Mm -hmm. And Wakanda is definitely in a situation it's not comfortable in. No. Because now the UN is trying to basically get its hands on as much vibranium as they can. Mm Mm-hmm and however they're trying to spin it as working diplomatically.
1: Yeah, they're trying to put a positive spin to it, but Wakanda's seen through this, like, hey, we know what you're fucking up to. You know, and, and while this is all going on, we're seeing an instance take place in, I thought it was simultaneously, but it ended up being in the past, of, you know, somebody try, you know, an organization or a group trying to steal the vibranium. I believe it was the French government. It, well, it was someone working. They didn't outright say it was, you know, the French government, but they... They just looked at the French rep- government representative at the U.N. and they just looked at them and said in French, you're welcome. Yeah. Or, or this is for you or something like that. So, so they didn't outright say, you know, all the, these people work for the French government, but they did imply that the French government employed them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's definitely heavily there. But Queen Ramona is just basically saying we're not working with anybody. Yeah. That vibranium is ours. Mm-hmm. Stay out. And the gauntlet is thrown down. This is after a great action sequence with the Dora protecting one of the vibranium plants. Yeah, yeah. So, like I say, the action kicked off right away. And I have to say, I love how Ryan Coogler was shooting this, too. Oh, yeah. Because definitely just went full throttle into those action scenes. And, you know, like, just really set the tempo early with this once we started going into the story. And then, meanwhile, Ramona is trying to talk Shuri into... Recreating the heart-shaped herb. hmm Shuri is kind of holding off on that because she's still in her moment of grief that she couldn't oh, save yeah. her brother. So yeah. she's, like, trying to dodge this as much as he can, even though Queen Ramona is saying we need a Black Panther to defend mm-hmm. Wakanda. Like,
1: and, and Shuri's saying, you know, hey, listen, that's great and all, but it's an antiquated, out-of-date idea.
0: Yeah. So they're going to have a small conflict here. Meanwhile, like Pat alluded to, we now go to the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. And there is a little freight that's going by. Well, I shouldn't say just a little it's, freight. It's, it's a giant cargo ship. Right. That is now trying to investigate uh-huh. some minerals in the ocean, shall yeah, say? It's
1: doing some research.
0: And what is it looking for, Pad?
1: Uh, vibranium, because they have a device that was built by someone. We don't know who yet at this point. Uh, that can detect vibranium. And to this point, even the Wakandans think that all the vibranium is in Wakanda. But this little device, you know, this little submersible has detected vibranium in the ocean floor in the Atlantic. And so they're like, hey, here's this item we really want, but the Wakandans aren't willing to give us, and no one's here to stop us.
0: Mm -hmm. So as the U.S. uh, contingent Mm -hmm. is now investigating because they have Navy SEALs, they have CIA involved.
1: Well, I think they said at one point later in the movie uh, Martin Freeman explains that this was like 20 or 30 of the CIA's top agents. and it, like It was like 20 or 30 top CIA agents and then like another 15, 20 top Navy SEALs or something like. So it was the best of the best.
0: Yeah. So as they're going down into the water, they're finding out there's vibranium there and everybody thinks they have this big win. Yeah. Until we start seeing figures starting to swim around them. Mm hmm. And then a jellyfish is nearby.
1: Yeah, it's this, like, super rare jellyfish or something. It's like, illuminate, it's, like, illuminating, you know, red light or something like that. The, You know, the woman who goes down is freaking out about She's like, oh, my gosh, no one's ever seen this. This is this. is amazing. You know, and mind you, they're not that far down. I think at one point they said they hit, like, 800 feet down, which in nautical terms, it's not that far down. Yeah, not, not super down. Not though. super far down. You know, so they're looking, and then they lose the vibe. So it's her and another guy down there. And, of course, they're in the, these highly advanced suits you know they're monitoring their their vitals and somebody on the boat goes hey we just lost whatever the guy's vitals are and they're like can you turn around and and see if he's there and like a fucking horror movie that was directed by by sam Raimi. goddamn she pans left my heart rate on my watch was about 120 (laughs) about 120 at this point you know she pans left and looks and all you see is the little hook, device, air, whatever this thing is responsible for there. But there's nothing on the end of it. It's been ripped out. And, yeah. she, and she goes, oh, shit.
0: Yeah. And then meanwhile, we see there are invaders now attacking the ship. Stealth-like. Yep. Stealth-like and singing. Yes because they're using the power of the sirens mm-hmm. to force people to jump off the boat and kill themselves.
1: Yes, folks, the sirens like from, you know, Greek mythology. Yeah,
0: which I love They they went here. That with was a, brilliant. Yeah, because this is something that kind of ties into how Atlanteans do warfare. Mm-hmm. They, they're very unorthodox in this style, and, and, but that's just how they're raised in that culture. So you do see, well, I, I have to say it's not Atlantis at this point, too. It's, right. it's Talacan. And you're starting to see that they are now attacking the ship. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing the head scientist who's trying to discover all the vibranium. Well, she's now running to a helicopter, and she's yeah. trying to make this dramatic escape. Meanwhile, the ship has been overrun with these blue-skinned humans, mm-hmm. which we know from the comics is Atlantean. So I think for purposes, we'll just say Atlantean. Sure. As we see the helicopter take off and is just making these you know this triumphant escape after a shooting out a few of the Atlanteans. Well, yeah,
1: and this is after this the female scientist has done like the most awkward, bizarre route on the ship. Like she goes from one side to the other, and I'm talking laterally, you know. And then she decides to go up the ship towards where the helicopter passed. So this this is it was bizarre, and she goes go go take off take off take off. And this is while she's shooting them, but like she's putting now she's shooting with like probably like a, a just a standard pistol nothing super fancy or crazy but she's hitting these target these these atlanteans in the chest and the shoulder they're not dropping they're, no they're stumbling and they're falling backwards a little bit but they're like yeah you know to quote the great jay-z they're, they're brushing her shoulder off right you know so then she gets in the helicopter and takes off and uh things aren't quite what they should be
0: right because the helicopter is taken down and Crashed.
1: well it's not even it's not even
0: taken down it's crashed. it's thrown yeah because
1: something immediate like so the atlanteans grab onto it as they're taking off and she's like hey you got to lose him shake him so he starts doing 360s right over the ship to throw him off she's like all right hey they're gone well then something grabs hold of him and i and and we don't see what it is and it throws them back towards the butt towards the ocean you know the the helicopter explodes And that's when you see a a silhouetted figure floating in the sky with little wings on its ankles.
0: Yes. So Namor makes his debut. Tanakh Huerta just shows up and definitely sets that pace early. Like Mm -hmm. you understand that this is a character not to mess with. So definitely kind of tying in some of the stuff that you've seen more recently with the character in comics. Like over the past in the MCU comics universe, that is has had kind of a very I, I know I'll hear some flack for saying this anti hero stance. Yeah. But he's more of a conflicted character than more people give him realize, but his arrogance is more or less his superpower here. Pretty and, much. And we do see this as he sneaks into Wakanda uh-huh. and confronts Angela Bassett's Ramanda and Letitia yep. Wright's Shuri. Yep. And as they're kind of you know assessing what is going on, he does something in only more ways he can do. Yeah. He's trying to be diplomatic, mm-hmm. but it's not really working. It's kind of like, I got in here. People are now looking for your vibranium. Mm-hmm. We need to work together. Mm-hmm. We are going to work together, to paraphrase a bit. <laughs> yeah, I was say to, sh- to give you a Cliff Notes version. Yeah. Or if you don't, mm-hmm. I'm going to attack Wakanda myself.
1: And I and I think his his exact words at one point during this whole speech were, I have more soldiers than there are plates of grass in Wakanda mm-hmm. you know and basically says you need to work with me or they'll show up as easily as I did
0: yes because as he explains there's a machine that was finding your vibranium mm-hmm. so that means they're coming after you if you did not create this machine yep so I want to find out who did this and set an example
1: mm-hmm. so you're going to help me you're going to help find the scientists that made this bring them to me and everything will be okay
0: mm-hmm. and both of the, Ramona and Shuri are like no <laughs> like this we well i think at
1: first they're like okay yes we're just agreeing with you so that you leave and you don't hurt us
0: yeah because at this point they're just like who are we dealing with as he emerges out of the water like he had a very dramatic entrance like i say Hort well to... yeah
1: because he, he just shows up in the middle of the freaking wakandan jungle behind the the, the shield now in the scene they're in like the the of Savannah and and Africa or something, but they're still in Wakandan territory. They're behind the shield. So this man's inside the fucking shield and all they have is the clothes on their backs and spears. Yeah. Like they're so hilarious. They don't even have a ship out there that they traveled in. they're like, no, they just walked out there or something. Right. So they're so hilariously outgunned that I think they're just going, okay, we're going to agree with you so you don't kill us.
0: Well, I think that they're just trying to assess the threat that is because this is the first time to, it seems like this is the first time in anybody's knowledge, Namor has left underwater Mm -hmm. in quite some time and has now emerged because nobody really has an idea who he is. Well, nobody that we know of. Right. But I'm sure that obviously there's been some alluding to in the Avengers movies that uh, there's been some rumblings underwater. Oh, yeah. You know, they haven't really kind of fallen, but it does fit the name. I
1: I think they mentioned something in Endgame. I think, I they think did. Like, there was there was a mention of, like,
0: underwater or something or other. Yeah, they mentioned something, but I can't remember if they used Atlantis and then they changed the name at the time. Maybe. So it was, it's something. It's been a little while. Hashtag ODPHBot. You can correct us on that. It's cool. But this is where Shuri is now making a connection to an old friend, one CIA's mm-hmm. finest, Everett K. Ross. So Martin Freeman reprises that role. And is now dealing with Shuri, who is going with Denai Guerrero's Okoye mm-hmm. over to the U.S. to find out, okay, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. And who is the scientist that we need to go get to save? Because yeah. this is going to be a start of a civil war. Or, no, I shouldn't say civil war, rather. This is going to be a start of an international, international war. International war. You know, that is going on. And they say, well, we know who did it, but she's... um.
1: Not who you think. Well, and even Everett Ross is reluctant to tell them the information just because, and he says, people have been prosecuted for treason for less. Yeah. For saying less. Right. You know, so he, he does give the information, though, when we find out, you know, that, oh, yeah, we do know who the scientist is. We're kind of tracking them, uh, but it's one problem. They're a student.
0: Yeah. And they're like, what? So sure enough, we find out that Dominic Thorns, Riri Williams, is the person responsible for the vibranium mm-hmm. tracker. Brilliant. Yeah. Love this swerve. And obviously, this kind of ties in that she's a student at MIT. Yep. And kind of hustling her way through school, too. Uh, Very handsomely, might I add, in terms of money. Yes, So she's definitely uh, fixing some grades, fixing some... (laughs) She's in a lot of trouble.
1: She's doing basically a homework ring where she does people's homework for them to help them get good grades.
0: Yes. So at this point... Shuri and Okoye approach her and say, basically, you need to come with us or you're going to die.
1: Well, no, Sh- Okoye just wants to outright kidnap her in broad daylight. Yeah. She's like, fuck this. I don't care. We're going to do it. And Shuri's like, no, nah, I think we can do this stealthily and not cause a scene. You know, and, and I'm about the right age for these students here. So she goes, she figures out what dorm she's in, goes into the dorm hall, figures, finds her room, knocks on the door. She's like, oh, I don't really do the house. She, and Riri opens the and Yeah, hey, I don't really do house calls anymore. And Shuri just walks in, and Riri goes, oh, my God, and recognizes her yeah. immediately. So they go through this whole song and dance of, like, Shuri trying to convince her to come along, and she's kind of 50-50, like, ah, I don't know. And then Okoye just walks in because she's like, listen, I said i give you five minutes. It's been six.
0: Yeah. So they're getting ready to get down to business. They wind up going to Riri's – I don't want to say hideout, but her uh – um
1: her fortress of Solitude.
0: Yeah, we, it's the easiest way to describe it. I always say her laboratory where she's working on different projects. It's one's a garage. A, one's a car. The other is the Iron Heart prototype. Mm-hmm. So they do wind up there. But while they're there, they're approached by the CIA, or FBI, rather, to mm-hmm. go arrest them. Because, obviously, Riri is a person of interest.
1: Yeah, Shuri gets notified from her ad. They're like, hey, just so you know, uh,
0: we got visitors coming. Yeah, so they're looking for Riri. They're now looking for Shuri. They're basically trying to find out what's going on, and they do make this fantastic escape. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole sequence of events was just really cranking on the action, which I really love seeing. And then they get to a bridge point. Yep. And this is where Talcon strikes. Mm-hmm. And we do see some familiar faces to comic readers, but kind of a surprise to me, though, I will say, because okay. I, was, I was not expecting to see Namora, who is Namor's cousin. Uh, show up here. Okay. And Atuma, which has been a, a very, very notable villain of Namor throughout the years. Right. But they show up, and they are now getting into the fight because now they want to go kill the scientist. And you see some great fighting, too. Akoye versus Atuma was a fantastic battle going back and forth until it ultimately ends up where Shuri winds up giving herself up to... Buy some time. Mm-hmm. So Shuri gets kidnapped. Yep. With Riri. Yep. As a, as almost like a bargaining chip, so to speak. Oh yeah. Akoya is left, but she's thrown into the ocean after losing the battle. Yeah,
1: she she was fought this long extended battle, but then gets blown into the well. She gets blown into the river, mm-hmm. you know, and swims up and swims up. Co- well, comes to swims up and sees. Uh, Riri and uh, Shuri getting kidnapped doesn't know the context and just starts screaming.
0: Yeah, so she's now thinking Shuri's dead now, too. Doesn't realize what's happening here. She has to go back to Wakanda, which you (laughs) you can only imagine how this is going to go over. Uh, To quote my father, like a fart in church. Yeah, so Queen Ramona takes away any rank from Okoye from the Dormage.
1: Well, this is after she's like, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I did everything I could. Let me go after and find her. And and, uh, Queen Ramona's like, Fuck you. No. Yeah. I'm the, as far as I know, I'm the only person from my family left. Haven't I lost enough? And this, this whole scene is just good. Powerful. Lord. Good Lord.
0: Powerful scene going on. So she decides that she's going to take matters into her own hands. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you do see that Namor is being very respectful of Shuri. Yeah. And trying to explain his side of the story. Mm-hmm. We get this fantastic origin of Namor, how he got his powers yep. per se. Yep. Uh, I know they threw around a certain word, which everybody was kind of losing their mind about. Mutant. Oh yeah. But it already happened on Miss Marvel. Yeah. We know from the comics if you read them long enough, Namor is the first mutant in Marvel comics history. Well, and in timeline the history for the I'm, and Marvel Cinematic Universe, he is too. Yeah. So they, it takes a little while to go there. I know, like some people are like really like losing their oh minds. Oh my god! They said you know, they said mutant. Tell me you
1: haven't seen. Uh... Ms. Ms. Marvel, Marvel, without telling me you haven't seen Miss Marvel.
0: Yeah, so I, for me, like it wasn't that that big of a shock, but I was. It was like, nice confirmation. It was confirmation. I
1: figured it. I figured it would come. It was just nice to hear him say it.
0: Yeah. So he's explaining about the trials that he's had growing up, and yeah. and how he's now been the hybrid, you know, mutant, mm-hmm. so to speak, and what he's been able to do, and why he's trying to do this, and why he hates the surface world, and he has a he has a legit right. He's got a beef. He has a legality because he saw that, you know, the Mayan civilization that he was, you know, coming from was imprisoned and he's fighting back against the captors of it. So he he has a a natural hatred for him, which it makes sense for his character. I'll say to quote uh, Falcon, you know, from Falcon Winter Soldier, he's
1: out of line, but he's got a point.
0: Yeah, exactly. And at this point, Shuri is trying to reason with him and Mm -hmm. saying, like, listen, you can't kill her. It's not her fault. Yeah. You know, and he's just like, no, there, there's
1: more going on here. and There's more aspects to this than you realize.
0: Exactly. So he's like, it's it's kind of a very cool political intrigue, so to speak. Uh, absolutely. So and that's one thing I know that Ryan Coogler was trying to set up with this film and definitely hit it right on the head. Like this felt more like a uh, political thriller than anything.
1: Sure. A little bit. And to, and to me, it kind of felt like uh, Namor was in the position Wakanda was during the first movie. We were like, hey, we're super secluded. We don't know too much about what's going on in the world. We're like Wakanda was aware. But Namor and his folks don't really have too much of an idea what's going on. because, like, hey, we want to live and let live. So Shuri's kinda, and is kind of taken it from the aspect of like, hey, I realize you knew how things were. It's not how they are now.
0: Yeah. So it's a very cool setup going on here. Meanwhile, Queen Ramona has reached out to Nakia, who has been in Haiti mm-hmm. since the events of Avengers Endgame. So Lupita yeah. Nuango comes back to the fold, and she has now been recruited to go save Shuri. Mm-hmm because she is the only one who can
1: by any means necessary.
0: Yes. So she now makes her way through Talokan because she can track her they track them down to Talokan. Mm-hmm. Makes it, and we have to say too what a setup from the cinematography here. Yeah. Telecon looked very impressive. Oh yeah. Obviously fueled by some vibranium as well. Sure. So it does kind of go into play, but it definitely is a very impressive scene. The only thing I will say is, in my personal opinion, I thought they spent too much time here. Mm, it felt like the right amount to me. I know, like it was just kind of like with how everything was moving with the story. It's like they really were like going over the top. Trying,
1: in all honesty, like I felt like it was enough time, but I also at the same time felt like we didn't get a lot of time with it because it, like, it was bouncing back and forth. So like we saw a couple of places, but we didn't really get to see
0: it. Yeah, well, I, I like I say, we can agree to disagree about this, but. You know, I can see that point, though, too. So I just thought this was kind of like, for where they extended the scene out, they really could have tied up a little things here because, obviously, Nakia makes her way down there, pulls off an amazing escape, but in yeah. the process yeah. is responsible for setting off the first strike of Talakon versus Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Because as they're making escape and she was given the orders by any means necessary, to yeah. get Shuri back, yeah. she winds up fatally wounding uh an Atlantean Mm -hmm. and at this stage Namor comes in to see obviously Shuri has escaped with Riri Williams they're on their way back to Wakanda Namor is walking in and seeing one of his people is now dead Mm -hmm. and knows that well somebody's responsible well
1: and this is after Namor has met with Queen Ramonda again Mm -hmm. and basically she Ramonda tried bargaining with him for a better outcome where it didn't lead to you know killing a child and he's like, no, you're going to do what I say. And I'm paraphrasing, but he goes, no, you're going to do what I say. And if I get any detection of any Wakandan being in Talacan, there's going to be hell to pay. Yeah. And so, you know, plot A or point A lead to point B. You know, anybody shows up, there's going to be issues. And, well, somebody showed up.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it fit right in. So you do see that, obviously, this first strike has been taken by Wakanda onto Talacan more answers in force. Mm hmm. And one of the most wild sequences you're going to see. Rev, uh, riling up the troops. Yep. And definitely lets loose just a fraction of his army, so he claimed. So, yeah. Uh, onto Wakanda. And they absolutely decimate Wakanda. It's not even funny. No, it's not even close. Like, they just go in there and basically crash everything. You do see that. Uh, Riri is drowning at one point, yeah, because the city is now flooded. Yeah, the palace is now getting flooded. So, yeah, and Ramonda tries making the save too, and she winds up losing her life saving Riri.
1: This is just so wild to watch because you think back to Infinity War, mm. where you know one of the main battles took place in Wakanda, and this was up against you know Thanos and his forces. You know, and and they held their own. Sure, they lost in in the end result, but. They still held their own, you know. So this is a force that has had time to advance and develop and come up with some new stuff, getting their asses handed to them. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy to see.
0: No, and like I say, it's completely one-sided. Like, they're going through. Oh, yeah. And just, yeah. You, just absolutely destroying that city. I mean, and they were caught with their proverbial pants down. Well, yeah, because, I mean, Wakanda has always withstood every single attack from the outside with the black Panther as this champion and with the technology that they have.
1: Well, and even if memory serves after the scene where Namor showed up and talked to Shuri and Ramonda, mm-hmm. they had the council meeting. And one of the things they said in the council meeting was, Hey, we need to up our shield defenses and make these shields stronger so that he can't get through again. I'm going to presume they did so in the, you know, in between time that scene to this point. Yeah. A lot of good that did.
0: Well, that's the one thing with Namor and for how long he's been around The fighting experience that he has, like we are just getting exposed to it now. Sure. But you have to remember, I mean, he's been fighting for, it seems like centuries at this at at one point, but with how he's grown in that and what they have going on in Talcon. He was ready for battle. He was and he showed no fear. And this is something that plays into the comics. Like he's very impulsive and very irrational, mm-hmm. but he's very business oriented too. Like if he has a mission, he's going to succeed it. It's what makes him such a compelling yet dangerous character. That if he's on your side, yeah, it's a great thing. Oh yeah. If he's against you, there's probably going to be a problem. And this really showed his power set to a, a great degree. I mean, him crashing through the palace and causing the flood there especially that he winds up killing Queen Ramonda. Like, that's yeah. that's something, too. I mean, you can say it's inadvertently, but no, I mean. No, I think it was deliberate. Yeah, it was deliberate. Like, I, I know some people are trying to say, well, he's just attacking. It was an accident. Like, no, no. no. That he was, wanted to make a statement. That
1: was deliberate because in the middle of the grieving and, and finally getting in the room, Right before he flees, he he looks at Shuri and goes, "You are queen now." Yeah. So you don't say that on a whim, like, "Oh, hey, what a co- you know what a coincidence! I happened to kill the queen."
0: Yeah. No, he he no, that, like, was, that was deliberate. No, I agree too. Like I said, I had some people hit up online. I was like, "Ah, I think that was legit. I think he made a he wanted to make a statement because he is really trying to get working with Siri, Shuri rather, mm-hmm. and obviously, if Ramon in the way. I mean, it's a political move. It's not, yeah. It's not a popular thing, but no. it's, it's something that's it's very tactful. So he does wind up saying, "I'll be back in a week with my full army." Like you just got a taste. So now it's going to be the full course if you do not work for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say with because obviously if you he, don't go along, yeah, he's just kind of saying if you're not on board, you're gonna we're gonna take you out. Yep, and take this as our own. So now they have to kind of reassess things, mm-hmm. here, which definitely plays into a factor. Because now, obviously, the U.S. is catching wind of what happened here with Ramonda's death.
1: Well, so is is the news because, you know, CNN, you know, is in the movie and they're reporting on her death.
0: Mm -hmm. And we do see that Ross is getting now questioned and subsequently arrested by his ex-wife mm-hmm. who's a familiar face in the mcu i love this swerve because yeah. i did not see this coming christ i don't think anybody did
1: and pad who is this that is julia Louise dreyfus aka valentina allegra de fontaine
0: yeah what the fuck so figured she'd be in the movie didn't expect this. i had a feeling too but i wasn't like but where i mean that's the whole thing is just how did they want to set this up oh they set it up all right that now that she has taken a very specific interest in Wakanda and what's going mm-hmm. on there, she's now picking up wind of what is happening here and is going to keep an eye on. Now, is this going to roll into Thunderbolts? Maybe. Maybe. I will. I agree with you. I think maybe. There'll be some fallout happening here. But meanwhile, the people of Wakanda are reassessing things. You're seeing the the Council of mm-hmm. Powers of be there yeah. are really trying to assess what's happening. Shuri now is fully convinced she needs to recreate the heart-shaped herb. Mm -hmm. That now more than ever, she needs... She knows they need Black Panther. Yeah, they need Black Panther. And she winds up working with Nakia and Riri to recreate it. So Mm -hmm. there is one that is now 97% accurate. It's like 97 or 98. It's high. It's high. So she winds up taking the herb herself. Yep. This is where things get... Amazing and crazy at the same time. There was
1: a collective gasp in our theater.
0: Yes, because when she takes the herb, she starts gaining the abilities, but she is expecting to see her brother.
1: Well, because she goes to the pl- I forget what it is the astral plane or, or whatever planet, the plane where she goes to see the ancestors. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so she's expecting to see the former Black Panthers, her brother, her grandfather. I didn't think they'd show. Her I know that
1: I didn't. I knew they wouldn't show. T'Challa, because, right? Because you know Disney and Ryan Coogler already said we're not going to see G.I. right? Him. Right. So I'm like, all right, you know, uh, T'Challa's out. I figured it'd be the father, you know, maybe the grandfather or, or like somebody else. Was not expecting who showed up.
0: No, definitely. Like I say, I, I agree too. Like I say, just for her character, she was expecting to see her family.
1: Yeah. Well, not, well, technically she did. Technically she did because Pad. Who does she see? Fucking Michael B. Jordan, aka Killmonger. Yes. God damn.
0: The legend returns. This man was on screen for 5 minutes but stole a good portion of the movie. Oh my god, yeah. And he is basically picks right up where he left off. Oh yeah. And is saying, "Well, I told you so." Yeah. I told you you needed to be proactive. You got to go out there and set the tone and you really need to get vengeance. Look
1: at how your brother did things. Look yep. look where that got you. You see what I you saw what I would have done would it have been the same outcome
0: yeah like I say it, it's you know crazy of all the people that she could have seen like I say her brother her father her, her grandfather yeah all the lineage of the Black Panthers yeah she winds up seeing killmonger yeah of all people so yeah. definitely wasn't expecting that and kind of puts a little edge in her too oh yeah that maybe it's kind of a weird thing but maybe her character needed that for what she was gonna have to do because I she, think because so. she's never had to go into real combat on this kind of level That no. she is now Going to be the protector of Wakanda. She's mm-hmm. in a brand new suit that did kind of align with Killmonger's a little, little bit. A I little noticed bit. that a little more of an influence here. She makes a dramatic appearance in front of Mbaku and the rest of the the camp.
1: Yeah, because they're because what is it? They've evacuated Wakanda just for the safety of all the folks who live there. They're in the land where Mbaku and his people live.
0: The Jabari Mountains.
1: Yeah, they're in the mountains, you know, and so they're debating. Well, who's going to be the new ruler? What are we going to do? The X, Y, and Z. And the ship just shows up. Everyone kind of stops, looks up, and she comes She comes out of the ship, you know, doing the superhero landing and just lands in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the whole our whole theater just erupts in applause.
0: Yeah, so obviously everybody's excited to see the Black Panther has returned to save Wakanda, and Baku is really trying to reason with her, too, yeah. like at yeah. the same time. Like, he knows what's going to go on. Well, Winston Duke just really played a great role in this film, Winston
1: too. Duke absolutely killed it in this movie because there was a moment in this scene where, like, something gets brought up. Like, and they're, like, looking at him, and, he's, and he gives an answer to something. And everyone kind of looks at him like, wow, we're surprised you knew that. And, and M'Baku just looks at him and goes, what? Just because you think we're in the mountains, we don't have books? Yeah,
0: it's fantastic. Freaking
1: line of the movie.
0: Yeah, did such an amazing job there. But he's the one that's trying to be the the voice of reason here. And I loved how they were setting that right. up. So now it's coming into a place that, well, Shuri has basically said, we're going to take them out by any means. We have to because we're not going to let Ramonda's death go unanswered mm-hmm. so they set up a play to draw out namor and company meanwhile at the same time okoye who had been stripped of her title as the leader of the Dormaje, has been given the midnight angel armor mm-hmm. so aneka has been uh brought into wear the armor as well too mm-hmm. ayo mm-hmm. has been now uh given the role of leading the uh, Doramaje mm-hmm. So now the army is ready to go for battle. Yep. They now go off into a uh, their own ship. Yep. And they're drawing out Namor and company. Yep. And it's smart how they do this because basically they realize that Namor gets his power from the water. Mm-hmm. That he, that if you can take away his strength and basically dehydrate him, basically drown him out or dry him out. Yeah, you can definitely hold your own against him, which is it perfectly makes sense in the comics. Makes too. sense. Yeah. So Shuri winds up getting Namor separated from the mm-hmm. battle here. Yep. So a spaceship is, you know, it's just a spaceship, but their craft does wind yeah. up catching him, does entrap him and turn on the heat. So, that yeah,
1: because the the ship has been modified with like essentially like space heaters or something like that, mm-hmm. where, you know, like or like the heating lamps you would see in a reptile, uh, you know, enclosure. You know, he gets in there. She turns on the force field while she's in the uh, cockpit turns on the heat and all of a sudden he starts drying out you know like like a fish
0: on land and mm-hmm. he just starts going you know the <laughs> yeah so she's completely ready to weaken him and take him out herself mm-hmm. all the while you're seeing the Midnight Angels are holding their own the Dora Maje is holding their own against the Telekin right. forces Ironheart is having her moments as well at one point she was facing off with Namor too and was yep. holding her ground she's doing all right. until like they got up too high in the sky yeah and then she had to make a dramatic save to kick in But, like I say, it did enough that she made her presence felt in the movie Mm -hmm. and definitely got you excited for what's coming. So, like I say, she didn't have a lot of screen time that second half. It was an intro. But it was a great intro. So, like I say, it worked out for what it needed to because everybody came for the heavyweight fight. Oh, yeah. Everyone came for Black Panther versus Namor. They wind up crashing on a beach. and then. Well, this
1: is after she's, like, taking him away. And she told the AI that was flying the ship, get to the desert as fast as possible. So the AI kicks the ship into overdrive, but as for as weak as Namor is, still got his weapons. Mm-hmm. And he starts tearing the ship apart. And and Shuri asks the AI, she goes, because she's, she's basically just trying to get, all right, how much time do we have before we run into issues? Right. And the AI goes, she asks the AI, well, how much damage has he done to the ship? And the AI doesn't even pause. So he just goes, the AI just goes, catastrophic damage like we're, we're done yeah and that's when the ship crashes on the beach
0: so they go there there's a very big back and forth battle both everybody is almost like mortally wounded yeah at one stage too but shuri has enough strength that she winds up getting the you know proverbial upper hand she got her she got her like, second wind she got the advantage and she definitely took full opportunity with it because she can kill Namor at this point. Namor is this weekend. He's burnt. Oh yeah. His whole entire back was burnt from the explosion of the ship. Oh yeah. So now there's this moment where she can absolutely kill him, and go right into what Killmonger said. But it's almost like Mbaku's words are haunting her now.
1: Well, and she also well she also the burning thing was brilliant too because she had programmed the ship. And what was it? She said Wakanda forever. Yeah. She, she programmed the ship that when she said Wakanda forever, the engines on the ship would kick in. So she, like, pulled herself off of being impaled.
0: Yeah, because le- she got impaled by the spear. She
1: got impaled by the spear, broke the spear in half, pulled herself off of it. Badass scene. So she goes running after him as fast as she can run, given she's mortally wounded. Leaps, lands in front of him, and, and he's basically ready to fight, and she just goes, Wakanda forever. The je- the engines on the jet kick in. He's at, like, point-blank range behind these things. gets Burns him to damn near crisp, and that's when she gets the upper hand.
0: Mm-hmm. And basically forces him to say, I quit. Mm -hmm. Or I yield, if you want to get technical. But she winds up winning the battle between Wakanda and Talcon.
1: Because she makes the promise to him, yield, and we'll protect you from the surface world. Yeah. You know, we'll go along with you.
0: Yeah, we'll make this happen. But we're going to do it on my terms, not yours. Mm -hmm. And Namor, he says yes. Like, he has to eat that humble pie, so to speak. Yep. So when this happens, they both wind up showing back up on the ship when you're about ready to see everybody is fighting each other too. And you're seeing Wakanda is about ready to get overtaken again we'll by the Talokan Italic- army is ready to absolutely de- decimate them. And luckily at the at the end of time here, you see finally that everybody makes a uneasy alliance. Mm-hmm. Like I know it kind it's of seemed, reluctant. It's reluctant because I know people are saying, Well, you know, they're gonna start working together. It's like Yeah. yeah. Yes and no. Like, it's a weird thing, and, you know, politics make for interesting partnerships. I don't think they're going to look past what Namor did. No, there's no way. By any chance. So it's how this is all going to shape up in the future is really anybody's guess, but we do see that there isn't an, an easy alliance as of right now. Could this go off at any time? Absolutely. And will it probably? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, there's no question of that in my mind, but you do see that, Everybody goes back to Wakanda. Riri is going back home mm-hmm. without the suit. Yeah. That was, one of, that was one of the conditions. Hey,
1: listen, you can work on whatever you want, just not this suit.
0: Right. But she
1: does wind up taking the car back home.
0: Yeah, she does. Which ironically. Because
1: well, sure, Shuri fixed it for her.
0: Yeah, she, Shuri fixed the car. And she, we find out that that was her dad's. Yeah. And yep. it's a very sentimental value. And it's a very cool scene that happened here as well, too. So Riri is going back to MIT. Yep. Akoye is back now as the head of Dora Maja, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they wind up rescuing Everett Ross from yeah. the U.S. government. Yeah, because he got arrested for treason. Right. So not exactly sure how this is all going to play out moving forward. Hey, works for him. Yeah, because you know what? That, that was where I was thinking Thunderbolts might come in. Maybe. the Julie Louis-Dreyfus' character says, no, you go get him back. Mm. And they're going to kind of tease that route a little bit. Now, is it going to be full you know, U.S. against Wakanda? No, but... no. I'm interested to see how they play that out.
1: Something tells me uh, you know, Julia Louis Dreyfus's character isn't going to be in the good graces of the U.S. government for long.
0: No, probably not. But
1: it's, she's only going to be the head of the CIA for a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that does. Like, I don't doubt her taking over Shield at one point. Like, I know we haven't introduced Norman Osborn to do uh, Dark Reign yet, but right. you could see possibly she slides in that role. Just saying it as right now. Meanwhile. You do see M'Baku has stepped up to take on the throne that he's going to be the the head of Wakanda in in the challenge sequence. And you do see that Namor is trying to explain to Namora Mm -hmm. why he did what he did. Because in Namora's eyes, he's looking like a punk bitch. Yeah, which he goes, break it down like this.
1: No, what I did was deliberate.
0: Yeah, that our deal means I can go up there when I need to when Wakanda can't fight and we will be the saving grace that leads everybody.
1: Cause inevitably the world is going to turn on her.
0: Yeah. So we just have to sit back and wait. And once we get our opportunity, we will take full advantage of it and Could, we will have an army behind us to take out everybody in the service world. Cause he even brings up like, Hey, she's got nobody else right now. Wait, you know, yeah. there, there's no other connections. And in my head I'm going, well,
1: no, there's the other Avengers. And then I pause. I'm like, wait a minute. Her brother had those connections with the avengers she was there but she's not exactly friendly with
0: thor or or scott lang or any of the other ones well there's that but there's also the point too to kind of bring it back full circle the entire time that the other nations were going after the vibranium Mm -hmm. wakanda exiled itself from the united nations they cut themselves off yeah so they don't have any political allies in that aspect. No, they they don't piss everybody off. Right. So Namor is playing this perfectly. Oh yeah. He understood. Like it took him a while to get it through his head. But yet again, this is what he does in the comics, folks. This is perfect Namor one oh one. He's a hothead jerk. Yeah. But once he realizes what it'll benefit him or or Telekin, he usually goes on board with. So He basically says, this is what we're going to do. So I think, though, with Namor and especially with Atuma involved, I don't know how long that's going to last before an uprising there. Just knowing the character of Atuma, something will pop off sooner than later. Probably. But then we go to the bonus scene that I think I had everybody on the Internet talking about this. Oh, yeah. So we do find out that Shuri goes to see Nakia in Haiti.
1: Because she got an open offer from Nakia. Hey, listen, when all this is done, if you want to get away from this and come live with me in Haiti, you're more than welcome to.
0: Yeah, so she's doing the ceremony where they burn the robes. Yep. Uh, You know, obviously. Because they wanted to do that earlier. Queen Ramonda wanted
1: Shuri to do that with her earlier in the movie, but Shuri just couldn't bring herself to do it.
0: Right, so now she's at a point where she can finally do it and and give herself some closure to grieve. And while she's doing this, she finds out why Nakia has been gone from Wakanda since the snap.
1: Well, yeah, and because she brought up, hey, listen, I realized he died, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. You know, he meant so much to me, and she's going on and on. And I'm sitting there watching this going, I wonder if they're about to set something up.
0: Yeah. And sure enough, uh-huh. They do, pad. Yeah. Who do they introduce?
1: Uh King T'Challa's son, Prince T'Challa. Named Tuasant? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: And we find out that he has been raised away from Wakanda for his own, for the safety.
1: Yeah. And even the father agreed. Yeah. Uh, even, even King T'Challa agreed. Yeah. No, he needs to grow up away from all this.
0: Yes. Because uh T'usant in Wakanda language means T'Challa. Mm-hmm. So that's where the film ends. Yeah. So a lot to digest here. Uh, I think, like I said, if I, if I have to give a grading system for this, I give it an 8.5. Sure. I think though, there was a couple things I didn't like. And like I said, I thought they spent too much time in It but that's a personal thing. Sure. So, like I say, uh, I thought a lot of the camera sequences when they got to the big fight at the end. Yeah. Jumped way too much.
1: That was one of my issues. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I, I thought that took away a little bit too long. The end fight was awesome. Just way too many jump cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, it made sense for the one sequence where it was like Shuri was fighting at the same time they're fighting the dude on, on the boat. You know, so it's kind of, And it was like the fight moves they were doing together were in sync with each other. They were doing the same moves. That made sense. But they were just bouncing back and forth way too much.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And and I thought some of the fights in that final sequence just sure. m- moved too fast. It was like yeah. it really didn't have that much of an impact. It was kind of like just kind of thrown in there just to have <laughs> it thrown in. So I thought some of that stuff they could have cleaned up a little bit but it's not enough to take away what i really thought of the movie i thought the movie was was really really excellent i thought they paid great respect to Chadwick Boseman and and the character of T'Challa mm-hmm. oh i agree i thought it was you know i thought the the cast and crew really stepped it up i thought the new additions to the MCU family really made some noise especially Namor who i will admit yeah i wasn't sure how it was going to come across on screen because he's so tied into other elements of the MCU. Mm -hmm. Fantastic Four, Avengers, X-Men, more recently than not. Defenders, when we're talking the Hulk, Doctor Strange, and Silver Surfer team. Not the more recent incarnations, but I'm just saying. He is a very vital member of the MCU. To see how he comes in, I thought Horta captured his essence. I thought they really nailed the writing of him. And I'm very excited to see where we go with him moving forward. It might be a Disney Plus show, to be honest with you. I don't know if they will go full movie. Mm -hmm. But I could see him going Disney Plus, which I think is smart because he's also a character much like in the vein of She-Hulk. Has not had a huge run in the comics, but is a very vital character. Mm -hmm. So I think a smaller Disney Plus show would work too. But I thought they really nailed this one. I thought for all the hype it delivered on it, I don't think they had too many missteps that made me really take anything away from it. And I thought Angela Bassett's performance in teacher Wright, too. I thought they did phenomenal on this. Final thoughts for you, Pad?
1: Fantastic movie, start to finish. Definitely one i got to watch when it gets added to Disney Plus in however many days it is. Uh, But, no, this is the highest recommendation. This was one of the best movies I've seen of the year and one of the best Marvel movies they've done in in recent memory. You know, just everything Mm -hmm. about it, fantastic, start to finish. Just like I said, a couple issues with just the way the pacing of the final battle worked and the jump cuts – other than that, the movie was fantastic. Can't can't recommend it enough.
0: Absolutely. So you definitely make sure you get to your local theaters if possible to go check out Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. And then after you do, make sure to hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag #ODPagePod and give us your thoughts about the Black Panther sequel by Marvel Studios. We definitely want to have that conversation. So make sure to hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Veil is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well,
1: Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Moth, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern, or find it anywhere you find podcasts after he debuts on the radio station.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and we're almost at the end of the road pad. Mm-hmm. One more episode to go after this and then maybe just maybe The Walking Dead will call it a wrap. No it won't cuz there's spin-off shows.
1: There's spin-off shows. So I mean Fear like, the Walking Dead, the one in Paris with with uh Daryl. Yeah. Uh the one in New York with Negan and Maggie. Rick and Michonne's movie. Yeah. Well, movie, quote-unquote, the TV special. See,
0: they should just rename it and just keep the show going. Like, at this stage, it's not going to end. AMC Network's long-standing adaptation of the Image comic from Robert Kirkman is almost at its quote-unquote end. Penultimate episode for the mainline show. Yeah. So there's a lot to discuss. Obviously, they've taken their sweet time getting here. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the longest last season in recent memory. and God, it's the longest final season I can think of. Although, I mean, to be fair
1: uh Smallville's couple of, Christ, even smallville wasn't this long. Smallville did a couple of seasons like 22, 23 episodes. This one's 24.
0: Yeah, this is 24 in the Which is, th- for
1: this these days is a lot.
0: Yeah, especially they broken it off in parts too. Like it yeah. wasn't continuous. Like yeah. it was like we, okay, we did 8 uh, episodes. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. we're coming back, we're going to yeah. do 8 more. Now we're going to come back and do final 8. So, that being said, we are in for the long haul with this show. We are going to definitely be talking about the latest episode entitled What pad Family. Family, so maybe Vin Diesel's in this, we don't know, but uh, well, we if do he, know because if, we're we'll say, if, about he was, this. if
1: he was, I missed it.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, you know, he might have been a zombie, that's how that's how it said. We, we might have missed it. I, I'd I mean, be down
1: for a Dominic Toretto cameo.
0: I mean, we didn't see you know the, the cargo driving through anything yet, to, to <laughs> see yet but it's not to say it won't. But enough of us joking about it, we're going to definitely deep dive into the latest episode, the penultimate one for the walking dead season 11 finale so you know the deal by now spoiler free time and then after the countdown is fully deep dive so pad spoiler free statement on family
1: thought the episode was all right you know definitely added some shock value to kind of bring you back in for the the series finale although i will admit it doesn't feel like we're necessarily heading into a series finale and, and i realized you know oh well it's not really a series finale they got the spin-off shows coming. For a lot of these characters, this is, until otherwise, as of this recording, for a lot of these characters, this is going to be it. You know, this is going to be the last time we'll see most of them on screen again. Mm-hmm. You know, so you would figure they'd be setting up for some closure or a final shot of how things are going to go. But it it feels like, you know, oh, we're just setting up for another season finale. We're going to come back in the fall. You know, or come back, you know, in however long it would be at, at this stage. You know, because under normal circumstances, they would have started a new season here. You know, so it's interesting to see where this is going to go. You know, and the episode was all right, but it just doesn't feel like the build for a f- series finale.
0: I agree. Like, there's one moment in this episode that stood out that I will definitely be talking about in spoilers. Pad knows exactly where I'm going to go with it. Oh, yeah. But I thought this kind of felt... I don't want to use the word lackluster, it felt like a standard
1: penultimate episode for a season. Yeah. You like, know, we're like, they're setting up for the big shocking value in the final episode, but you know, they're coming back for more.
0: Yeah. Like there, there wasn't any sense like this is the end. Mm-hmm. And I thought that really took away, but it also ties into, and, and we've talked about this on the show in the past, a so many lengths when they announced all those damn spinoffs, right? They really hurt the impact of the show. Mm-hmm. Like if they had not said anything and like next week is next week. And then they go, boom, sizzle trailer, all new spinoffs. That would have been perfect.
1: Well, and there, there were even a couple of moments in this episode that were it not for the fact that we already knew some of these characters were going to survive, would have been shocking, would have had me on the edge of my seat going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, yeah. shit. But all right, hey, we know they're going to survive.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you really took away from it. You really it just, in my opinion, you dropped the ball here. Mm-hmm still it's it's a watchable episode there's nothing to take away from that, so I don't want that coming out like anything you know not saying yeah the, the best words about it. but I just felt like for being a season finale with the hype that you've had and you've been building, we needed more we't mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't get it here but there's one but one follow follow mood or follow scene can get me out of my follow mood hmm and it needs to happen next week, and I will not accept it if it doesn't. So that being said, pad three, two, one. Talk to me.
1: Thought the episode was good, was all right. You know, could have been better. It could have been worse. It was it was middle of the road, I guess you could say. But like I said, it just doesn't feel like the it's the end of the eleven year. You know, or well, Christ, more than eleven years at this point. Show that like has been such a staple for so many folks and a staple of of television. It, it was a groundbreaking show, you know. And I and I don't think that's a negative indictment on the writers and, and the directors per se. You know, it, I'm not saying, hey, this is shit, this is awful. It's just, like, I feel like he could have done better.
0: I swear to you, if Judith doesn't bite Daryl and turn him into a zombie next week, it's all a fail.
1: Well, we know he, we know he's not. I'm still
0: holding out hope.
1: It's a fool's hope because we know he's getting his own spinoff show, and there ain't, mu- there ain't much to a spinoff show of a guy walking around Paris
0: as a zombie. That would be amazing. What are you talking about? Him just, like, just all the dialogue is, <sighs> what are you smoking? <laughs> Just to get your reaction on that made it worthwhile. No, we opened up this episode, and it's more of everybody is now making their way to Pamela. Mm-hmm. All roads are pointing there, so you're seeing the different factions of the splintered group of survivors now starting to get together, t- going on the train with the last stop being Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Albeit, though, there was a cool scene where a zombie was on the tracks and got splattered Mm -hmm.
1: i saw that coming as soon as they showed that one of the walkers was on the train tracks i'm like oh this is gonna be nasty and it was
0: yeah so you're seeing just various members of the group on there kind of having their last moments and also they opened up the show too with more of the judith narration Mm -hmm. which like i don't know i i know they're trying to really capture the nostalgia factor but it's not working right it's kind of like everybody's taking their weapons out of a you know war chest and I was like, well, yeah. I mean, like, am I supposed to get excited about this? Like, yeah. I mean, this is, it's not really connecting. Yeah. So we're now seeing that they're on their way and everybody's, I like, I guess the the room, the temp of the room is supposed to be like, we're supposed to be expecting the tension at an all-time high. And I right. didn't feel that. I felt like, well, this is a normal just ride through. Mm-hmm. The only thing that stood out for obvious reasons was, you had Tyler, who had been helping the uh, survivors after he defected from the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. kind of have his last penance and try apologizing for what he's done. Right. That now he's on there. And, the, and, of course, the group is like, oh, we're so glad you joined us and you're here with us. And it's like, oh, you're getting killed. Mm-hmm. you Like, this just telegraphed itself so much. And then we find out, obviously, later, well, something happens. And does he make it out of it? We don't know. mm but also at this point, you are kind of seeing the uneasy alliance get more easy. Yeah, with Negan and Ezekiel. So, I mean, they're kind of trying to set up that final moment, the final goodbyes. But I don't know. Like it just kind of felt to me, and try to correct me if I'm wrong. It was just like we're going through motions.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's kind of how it felt like. Like, hey, we realize there's going to be some – like I said, there's going to be some characters who aren't back after next week. That like, yeah, hey, we just got to wrap their stories up.
0: Yeah, so it's definitely one of those situations where they're trying to really tie in everybody as much as they can. But is it really working? I don't know. And for me, it just kind of didn't do too much. The only
1: thing I understood what they were trying to do, but for me, like the connection just didn't get there.
0: Yeah, like I I think that's one problem too. Is a lot of those characters are given the final moments of screen time too, with the exception of Ezekiel and Negan. Right. Like, where have you been for a couple episodes? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm tuned out. Yeah, don't matter to me. But you do see though that Mercer, who has helped Eugene escape, is now getting questioned by Pamela, and is trying to cover his tracks as best he can. But Mm -hmm. it's not really happened too much. Princess is trying to make contact with him. But it's not you – know, like I say, they're trying to come up with this big plan that we can le- – and this killed me too. Yeah. Quote, unquote, we're going to find a legal way to remove Pamela from office.
1: Fuck that. Just kill her.
0: Do you people not realize you're in the Walking Dead universe? Like, it's, it really? Like, where are you going to take her to court? Law is a figment of your own imagination. Like, you ain't calling Saul Goodman to get on there and testify. Like, yo, that'd be a hell of a crossover. That'd be amazing. Oh, my God. But when they're saying they're like, we're going to legally do this, I'm like, wait. We're, like – Granted, I know that I have been tuned out a little bit this season, but where are you guys? Do we have a legal system? We're going to maintain this? Like, stop. You're in the freaking Walking Dead. There's only one way this
1: answers. I mean, spoiler alert, if you've seen the finale of Better Call Saul, he would be out by this point.
0: Yeah, so, oh, you imagine he's walking around zombies, zombie (laughs) Saul. Give it to me. So, while this is going on, Pamela catches wind. And now she is obviously she's been off her, you know, hinges there, so to speak, Mm -hmm. since her son got killed off the tape exposed of the political intrigue that she was trying to expand the Commonwealth behind everybody's back and do it one nation under Pamela. So now she's trying to take out anybody involved. And once she finds out Mercer was involved with Eugene's escape, Mm -hmm. he's now sentenced for treason. Yeah. So the she now is like assembling whatever forces she has left to go kill the group because mm-hmm. she knows they're on the way while this is going on <laughs> tyler who was helping everybody out before yeah uh, he gets killed yeah that's what yeah. you get for being nice we all knew so or, or we barely knew well we barely knew but that's what i say. like a lot of the people they were killing off aren't major characters like yeah. you're supposed to have these amazing sentimental moments and it's like yeah. i don't even care like, he, yeah. like he's in there he finally got He's been here for a cup of tea yeah because at this point too you're seeing that Daryl and Carol and everybody has now made their way into the building trying to get Pamela. Mm-hmm. It's not working so well. Yeah. And then you see, though, the only move that really got my attention. Yep. Judith shoves Maggie out of the way in the line of fire mm-hmm. and gets shot. Yep. Which I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're, ta- they're actually taking a risk. They're taking a risk. Holy shit. This hasn't happened in quite some time. Fucking pinch me. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, now you have my attention because now we did something completely crazy. Daryl loses his mind. Now, granted, he returned to Daryl Wick mode. Well, because earlier in
1: the episode, he did promise that he'd always be there for Judith and he'd protect her.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, telegraphs yet again. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Now, granted, I didn't think they were going to do it, but I was like, no. Okay, here we go. So sure enough, he's trying to get... Judith to the hospital there.
1: <laughs> the clinic, yeah.
0: Yeah, which I'm like, okay, just go along with it. I mean, allegedly there's doctors there that can help her out at this point. I don't know. Commonwealth is a weird place. It's not to yeah, but they think it's magical. <laughs> and while this is going on, still there's a shootout going on in this courthouse right. between Pamela's army and Pamela, which to her credit, yeah, I will say this grabs a machine gun and starts firing off herself.
1: Yeah, cuz she's the one who shot Judith.
0: Yeah, which I like I say it took me a minute to remember that cuz it was just like I'm thinking where was she during the, all this? And No, she grabs the gun. So yeah. Layla Robbins gets her hands dirty with this. She's the one who kills or shoots Judith. Yep. And obviously everybody is now looking for blood with her.
1: Well, they're they're freaking out and she and she runs away screaming you did this. You're responsible for this. Yeah,
0: like a like a truly insane person. So it works. I love the scene. Yeah, yeah. So while this is going on, you're seeing the one group of survivors, which is Daryl and Carol and Maggie and Negan and Mm -hmm. Ezekiel all together. And you see Ezekiel buys them some time by throwing the fire extinguisher in the air. And Daryl, the marksman that he is, gets in midair to create a smokescreen to get out. Yep. All the while, you're seeing this monster herd Mm -hmm. come towards Alexandria Yep. or the Commonwealth. Commonwealth, yeah. And in this herd too, we have to kind of talk about it a little bit too, because uh-huh. there was there was a scene that happened that I kind of went, ah, here we go again. Yeah, we do know that the Aaron-led coalition yep. of Jerry and Lydia yep. and someone else. There's, there was at least two others. Um. Oh yeah, well it was uh Luke and. Yep. Um, um, Jules. Yep. Sorry, it took me... Like, when we don't see these characters every week, they're so big of a cast, it throws me off for a loop. Like, they're all, quote-unquote, dressed up as zombies wow. so they can walk in.
1: Well, except for Aaron, who's walking with his head exposed.
0: Yeah, can we talk about
1: that for a minute? Like, everybody else in the group is sitting there, like, covered in some sort of blood and guts or covering their face, so, like, they can't be seen. Now nah, Aaron's just walking around out there. Now, admittedly, his skin did look a little pale, did look a little, sure. a little off-color. But, like, there's no guts. Like, if you think back to Rick and, and uh, Glenn in the first season, like, what they look like walking through Atlanta to escape them. Nothing like that. His head's exposed. It's, it's bright as day outside. So it's like, really? They can't see this guy?
0: Yeah, that's the whole point. It was like, what are we doing here? You've been here before. You know better. But, no, I'm just going to walk around like nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully nobody recognizes me, yeah. even though I was a high member of the Commonwealth. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you, you'd figure somebody would recognize who you are? No. No. No, we're just going to call that what, Pad?
1: Reasons.
0: Reasons. So, they wind up going with this herd until he does get picked off. And they wind up trying to make a duck into a trailer of some sort. And then Lydia is trying to rescue her boyfriend. And I apologize. I'm, I'm He escapes me. But meanwhile, while she does this, she exposes her entire forearm. Mm-hmm. You do this in front of an entire zombie army. What do you think is going to happen? Nothing good. No, one of them sees this and goes for a bite. Nom, nom, nom. Yep. And takes a huge chunk out of oh, her arm, yeah. out of her forearm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she winds up losing the boyfriend. He'll be maybe dead, maybe not. We don't know. Maybe. So now she's on the trailer, and they have to conveniently do an amputation, Walking Dead style, which is... Here, bite down on this so you don't scream. Bite on this leather strap, yeah. I'm going to get the machete out and cut your arm off. It's cool. Don't worry. Hey, I got got one, too. So it's almost like Aaron's like, yeah, it's nothing. You get used to it after a while. Like, look at this cool mace I have on my arm. But, hey, you can have one, too. So they wind up cutting her arm off, saving her for now, dot, dot, dot. We'll see. And... Then you see that they're now finally finding a way to sneak to the Commonwealth as well. So, like, everybody is now back at the Commonwealth. I'll say
1: all roads point to the Commonwealth.
0: Yeah, so now we're going to have the final thing go down where... You're seeing Pamela is trying to direct traffic. Meanwhile, the walkers are now become smart. Mm-hmm. Suddenly. oh yeah. Would you like to
1: talk about this a little bit? So as the herd shows up, uh, they start, you know, the soldiers that are uh, on guard out uh, on the perimeter of the Commonwealth on the walls and the turrets and the towers and what have you. They're like, hey, we got an issue coming. You know, There's issues here. And then they just start fucking climbing the walls. Yeah. Like for the first time. And I'd have to look up how many episodes there have been. Uh, you know, I believe with uh, this thing on... the Wikipedia. 176? Yes, after 176 episodes, they're doing more than just sauntering along at a leisurely pace, and they're climbing the wall. Now, of course, we saw this last week when the one fell over picked up the knife. Mind you, they didn't follow up
0: on we that. We still have no payoff yet.
1: We got no payoff for that. We figured at some point watching that somebody's going to get the fucking shank, you know, but we got no payoff for that. But no, they're, the friggin' Walker just starts climbing the scaffolding, and all of a sudden, they're overrun. Yeah. Which... I said to you while we were watching the episode, I wouldn't mind that if this wasn't the second to last episode. If, exactly. If this was like season five or six, like, okay, that makes sense. Like adapting, changing. I'm all for this. Add a little bit of flavor to it. I like flavor, but no, this is the second to
0: last episode and now we're just adding this. Exactly. There's You're expecting me to buy this after all this time. You're forcing this in there. Like, I'm sorry. There's no reason it should be forced. You should have done this two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Teased it. Like, do it in an off panel or, like, an off moment that nobody pays attention to. Then come back to it a couple episodes later. Then build up to it. There's no purpose in doing this now, so why are we wasting our time? Because now you're expecting me, after 170-some-odd episodes, to go, oh, wow, they can actually climb. They're coherent. hmm Sorry. Like, I'm not buying this. And let alone that one still has a knife. Like, yeah. we haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. So unless that zombie stabs somebody next week, it's all for nothing. I'm sorry. Don't try saying, oh, well, you know, it, it's just to show that they, they're they symbiote. Almost <laughs> oh, like, like, sorry. No, no, I'm just, I'm sorry. Like, I, I can't buy that argument. No. If you could try explaining that to me, I'm all ears. Like, I'll listen to you. But I've had a couple of people try saying, well, you know, it's to explain that. I'm like, well, there's better ways to do it. Like, why would they specifically pick up a knife if they're not going to use it? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. They're all hungry looking for flesh to eat. I mean, it's what zombies do. So, like, wh- why? Like, what's he going to do? Keep it in his back pocket? Mm, Sorry, yeah. Like I say, I just it loses its, its luster here. So meanwhile, you have Pamela trying to fend off the the attack, even though she is completely overwhelmed and having another breakdown, which is all basically saying, "Well, my plan of bringing the zombie herd here, well, it went over my head. So we're all gonna die, except me, because I'm gonna have everybody stand by my building and shoot and uh, keep me mm-hmm. safe, like." <laughs> How do you feel that went over, Pad?
1: Uh well, that was typical for someone in power in, in these movies and TV shows is, hey, fuck the rest of you. Protect me. Yeah. Which, if you've seen how those situations go in other shows and movies, you know how it's going to go for her.
0: Yeah. So, meanwhile, the only other thing going on here is the zombie herd is now running in through the streets of L- the Commonwealth. Daryl is running with Judith, who's been shot and unconscious for I don't know how long at this point. Mm-hmm. Trying to find the, the clinic, even though he's ducking down a back alley, and that's how this episode ends, where you have everybody else holding it, yeah. buying him time. <sighs> so this has to end one of two ways: Judith has to bite Daryl, or not going to happen. Judith has to bite Carol next week,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then Daryl's forced with the ultimate well, decision of saving or killing Carol, and then he flies to Europe away to to yeah, you know that to deal with that. Also, Carol could happen. Daryl, we know, is not. No, I know, but I'd just like to see the internet lose its mind for a bit. I mean, I don't know. What's your take on this episode? Final thoughts on this?
1: The episode was all right. You know, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, I didn't regret watching it and didn't go, oh, that was an hour plus of my life lost. It could, it could have been better, though. And and just these whole final few episodes for being, oh, this is the end of an era. It, it doesn't feel like it. And, and again, that might be partially because we know there's more coming. But for being the end of a show that has run for 11 seasons in the better part of like 12 years at this point. This feels like this should be a monumental event, that this is something that, like, everybody f- from whatever season you watch Walking Dead or however long you watch should be talking about. Like, hey, this show's actually ending, and it's kind of just like a drop in the bucket.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, this, I ain't saying it. It was lackluster. I mean, the the shock value they were trying to go with, only one thing worked, and that was Judith getting shot. Didn't expect that. But everything else, okay, Lydia getting her arm bit off, and now she's going to be, sure. like, I'm sorry. Like, at this stage, it's like we're not going to see that much of a struggle of how she goes to accommodate now with only one arm f- surviving in the zombie apocalypse because guess what? There's one episode left mm-hmm. unless she's going on one of the spinoffs. We don't know. So, like, that was pointless. The whole thing about making a big fuss over Tyler, like, I'm sorry. He's disposable. Right. There's Like, the minute he got that final forgiveness, like, yep, you're getting killed right and then whatever happened to lydia's boyfriend and um the music teacher there and you know like i say he got it, he got pulled away i'm he's dead yeah you got to figure they're they're dead it's just this is how it goes down but i thought we it, it just really hit its moments was like okay you did something shocking with judith that's what stands out for this and it makes sense for the walking dead universe now how it plays out for next week we better have a big payout but being the last episode It's not going in there with, like, just the temperature is is now to a boiling point. Mm -hmm. It's like it's simmering, but it's not boiling. So I don't know necessarily what we're going to expect next week.
1: Yeah, I do know because I looked on the uh, TV guide. The episode is an hour and a half.
0: Uh, As it should be, though. Yeah. Which is good because it's also
1: written by Angela Kang and then directed by Greg Nicotero. So it should be
0: good. Heavy hitters are coming out for this one. And, And like I say, they need to. They need to tie this up. We better have some big deaths. Yeah. We better have something that brings it back to why we fell in love with the show. Well, they're, they're promising shock value, so we'll see. Yeah, but I want, like, real shock. Like, I don't want, like, Lydia's arm getting bit. Because, right, right. Sorry, she hasn't been on TV that much, you know, since the Alpha storyline. Like, it's here yeah, and there, yeah, but, yeah. but I'm not invested. I could care less about anybody of the Commonwealth. Hell, like, half the people that are part of that group, I have to sit there and go back and figure out who they are. Like, that's a bad sign. But we also have talked right. about this in the past. This cast is overcrowded. Oh, f- f- entirely so. Yeah, like it never recovered from the Negan War.
1: Like, I'm sorry. like you it, just had... got, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And usually
0: in years past with Walking Dead, you add a character. Well, that means you're going to lose a character. Right. They had a good balance for one point. But then when you try going over the top with this, it doesn't work. And I'm sorry that I think this is something that takes away from this kind of ensemble cast. that People are getting lost in the shovel. So when they're killed off or something dramatic happens, pfft, I don't care. Like, because I'm not invested right, with them. Right. If I'm invested to a character like a Carol or a Daryl or sure. a Judith. Sure. Then I'm here. I'm like, okay. Like, you have my attention. But I'm sorry. Tyler? Who? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the fact he got that yeah. much screen time and then you see him get a bullet put in his head. It was like.
1: Well, and Chris, there was even the one point where, where uh, Judith was talking to RJ. You and I forgot whose kid RJ was. Yeah. We're, we, I had to look up who's, our, whose kid RJ was because he's not from the comics. I don't remember who he is.
0: Yeah, like I said, there are so many people that have been just lost in the shuffle on the show that it's like, okay, next week I, I only expect a handful to survive, if even. Yeah. If we have everybody walking out and, and we're going to establish a new Alexandria, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably lose my mind on next week's show. I will, I will be ripping this to shreds <laughs> like nobody's business. In the meantime, though, hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPOD. What is your thoughts about the misleading title of family? Because I didn't see Vin Diesel or Dominic Toretto anywhere in there. And what's your thoughts going into the final episode, dot, 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 of The Walking Dead? Are you excited? Or are you not? Hour and a half. Pat and I will be definitely talking about that on next week's episode. But until then, let us know what you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sidemen Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go out? No know, one knows my name. To the desert, the ocean. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and I'm actually going to kick things off here. Okay. So since last episode, we have some news that definitely caught my attention. I'm super excited about this. Okay. It has been announced via our good friends over at Comixology that Scott Snyder is has a new series coming out called By a Thread, mm-hmm. and this will be actually co-written by his son Jack. Oh. So this will be Jack's writing debut. Nice. Uh, the series I'm reading directly from the Comixology press release uh, will be drawn by artist Valeria Fokova, mm-hmm. who we know from Beatrix Rose Vigilante and colored by Whitney Koger. Mm -hmm. So definitely want to check this one out when it comes out. Thread is a post-apocalyptic adventure about kids surviving in a future after mysterious and deadly infection spreads across the earth, making the ground we tread on untouchable. Hmm. So exciting stuff. Like I said, that was from the press release from Comixology. Uh, Pat, I will show you the promo art. Ooh, that looks very nice. Yeah, so this definitely looks very, very cool. Interesting. we will definitely be talking about that. Hopefully, we can get Scott and Jack on the show to talk about this. So, yeah, I
1: would say writing comics is very much a multi-partner dance. You know, it, it takes more than one to tango. You know, in the case of writing a comic. Uh, but in terms of having a dance partner for your first comic, hell of a dance partner in
0: Scott Snyder. Yeah, so definitely super excited about that. So make sure you have to keep an eye ear out for it, eye out for it. Don't have a release date just yet. I know that they were over at the Thought Bubble. Uh, over in in the UK this week. So so, I'm posting about that. Yeah, so I'm not exactly sure what was going on there, but um, obviously news has been trickling out about that, so you definitely want to make sure you are keeping an eye out for it. And we scream about the Comixology Originals line on here all the time because it's that damn good, and this is going to be another great addition to that line. I'm super excited to go check this out when it comes out. Speaking of comicsology, got a couple books I definitely are going to be talking about on Parley Points this week. Mm-hmm. And obviously due to the kind of shifting of the recording schedule, can't go into a deep dive into them just yet. But a couple to keep an eye out for. We mentioned Beatrix Rose Vigilante number 5. That's coming out with Valerie Fakova doing the artwork. Stephanie Phillips is doing the writing. You know I'm a huge fan of her. Grim is coming back soon on Boom Comics or Boom Studios, so definitely super excited about that. But this closes out the story of Mark Dawson's espionage, popu- widely popular character. And Beatrix has got a lot going on with this, so you definitely want to see the conclusion of this story. I think it's it's a great book you're definitely going to need to check out. Mm-hmm. Also, Census Number Three by Mark Bernadin, Adam Freeman, and Sebastian Perez. Uh, listen, this book has been nothing short of quirky, funny, and imaginative, and definitely you want to check out issue three when it drops. I will definitely, definitely co sign on that. And then over at Boom Studios, one of my favorite sto- comic lines or series out, new issues is coming out, and that is Something is Killing the Children, number 26. Can't go into spoilers about any of these because the embargo is up, but you definitely want to make sure you're following Parlay Points this week at odphpodcast.com, and I can definitely deep dive into it when we get there for it. And like I always say, support your favorite comic shops uh, wherever you're at in the world because you definitely want to support The Medium because they're doing some great work, and especially Comixology. I know it's a digital store, but listen, they do some fantastic stuff over there, so you definitely want to make sure you go check it out. Pad. Got a couple things to talk about, the first
1: of which is a moment Pokemon fans have been waiting 25 years to happen. Wow. Uh, you got the latest batch of episodes dropped for the Pokemon series that's ongoing, but finally, much like the original series uh, intro said, Ash wanted to be the best like no one ever was. And he finally did it. Ash is finally the Pokemon world champion. He's the greatest Pokemon trainer in all of the lands. Got to admit, I checked out the episode as someone who grew up on Pokemon. I was right in that target age range when the games came out, the card games came out. I remember being in school and, and playing the card game, trading cards, and teachers turned around one day and said, Hey, can't bring the cards around anymore. Can't bring the Game Boy in anymore to play the game. So I fell off of it just because it grew out of it. But, you know, I, I heard this. I was like, all right, I need to check this because I was there for some of the journeys and, and some of the moments, you know, him uh, finishing in like the top 16 in his first tournament, you know, and then kind of finally struggling. So to f- finally see this kind of admit that was it was cool to see it was nice after all these years. Finally see him back on top. Awesome to see if you want to check out the series. It's currently ongoing over at Netflix.
0: Surreal, man. Oh, it After is. all this time, all this time, like, I, like I'm definitely not as big into it as you are. Sure, like I'm very, like, sure. Dip my pinky toe into that water, sure. so to speak. Sure, but he finally got
1: there. Finally got there. It was, all, it was awesome to see. And there's an awesome moment in the episode I don't want to spoil. But if you're a long time fan of the show, it, it it's gonna pull at your heartstrings a little bit. Okay. Uh, switching over to some, uh, news that was announced just today, you got the categories and nominations, uh, for the upcoming game awards. I'm not going to go through all of them cause there's a lot of categories. Uh, but these are some of the ones I wanted to highlight and mention, uh, for most anticipated game. Now this is a game that had not come out yet, but they feel, uh, are, these are the, uh, five, uh, most anticipated games of the year and fans can vote at the for these categories and all the other ones. Uh, you know, so for most anticipated game, you have final fantasy, uh, 16 from square 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 Enix, Hogwarts Legacy from Avalanche Software and WB Games, Resident Evil 4 from Capcom, Starfield from Bethesda Game Studios and Bethesda, and then The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom from Nintendo. Uh, This is the sequel to, uh, what is it, The Breath of the Wild. Okay. Uh, So you got that going. Uh, For best mobile game, Apex Legends Mobile from Lightspeed and Quantum slash Respawn slash EA, Diablo Immortal, uh, got a feeling that one won't win, uh, for reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Genshin Impact from uh, HoYoverse, of Uh Tower of Fantasy from Hoda Studio, Perfect World and in Level Infinite and Marvel Snap. Ooh. That game that just came out like a couple of weeks That's-
0: ago taking everybody over man i know so many people playing that right yeah. now like i'm, I'm scared to uh, upload it because i sure. with my schedule like i'm sure. never gonna get off it
1: sure I, i've tried it not necessarily my cup of tea but hey if it's your cup of tea more power to you
0: sure absolutely
1: uh best adaptation now this is a video game property that was turned into a movie or a show uh you've got arcane league of legends uh from the folks over at riot games and netflix
0: heard really good things about that
1: cyberpunk edge runners uh from studio trigger cd project red and netflix the Cuphead show from Studio MDHR, King Features Syndicate, and Netflix. Mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog two from Sega Sammy Group and Paramount Pictures, and Uncharted from PlayStation Productions and Sony Pictures. is uh, listen, as much those are all great, uh, great shows and great movies. Much as I love the Uncharted movie, it's a little underrated in my opinion. It's probably going to be Arcane.
0: It probably will, but I, everybody I've talked to about Arcane mm-hmm. just raves about it. Like it's it even like the novice people that don't really know too much about it that I've talked with right. are like, this is incredible. And yeah. even, like I said, the diehard fans of that franchise, do they, they talk about, that. Oh yeah.
1: Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, you have the game of the year, uh, awards, uh, in the category in this category, you have a plague tale Requiem from Asobo studios and focus entertainment. Elden ring from from software and Bandai Namco God of war Ragnarok from Sony, Santa, Sony, Santa Monica, uh, Horizon Forbidden West from Guerrilla Games, Stray from Blue 12 Studio, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Couple of things. Honestly, it's probably going to be as much as I love uh, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, and I have not played God of War Ragnarok yet. It's probably going to be Elden Ring, mm-hmm. just because the impact that game had. The, the, you got to remember too, this is a fan vote. Yeah, this, this isn't you know journalists behind the scenes. You know this is this is fan vote. Um, it's probably going to be Elden Ring just because that game was everywhere for when it came out and it just the impact it had. Uh, but shout out to Stray. That's the little indie game that like is contending with AAA titles. It's the one about you play the cat and you're 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 playing a cat through it. You're going through adventures and all this stuff. Started as a post on Reddit for like somebody. Hey, look at the game I'm making. Now up for Game of the Year category on the Game Awards. Shout out to those folks like that's incredible just to see them up with AAA like Sony and 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 Xenoblade and you know with Nintendo and and Bondi Namco. It's It's insane. It's a it's a credit to you. Uh, so if you want to go and vote, uh, on these, all these categories and more, you want to go to thegameawards.com. Uh, the event takes place, uh, December 8th from the Microsoft theater in Los Angeles. Uh, it will be streaming, uh, online in YouTube, Twitch, all these other places. So definitely want to give that a check out and vote for your favorite categories. Like I said, those are only the four I wanted to highlight. There's a ton more to vote
0: for. I was going to say, maybe we'll get some pad, rec- uh, pad picks before sure, then. Sure, uh, Maybe we'll go through the lineage, put it on can his Twitter.
1: That. can do that. Uh, and then lastly, and, and certainly not leastly, we have to talk about the unfortunate yeah. passing of the great actor that was Kevin Conroy. Uh, the news came down on Friday that he had passed away at the age of 66. And, of course, he is best known uh, for voicing the character of Batman Bruce Wayne for 30-plus years and multiple generations this one hurt and this one hit heavy um Mm -hmm. you know for me you know no disrespect to anyone who's voiced the character anyone else who's voiced the character or who has played the character he was my batman you know i was too young you know for when the movies had come out you know because i was born after the movies had come out you know so i was born after batman one and then you know batman returns you know i was right around that right around that time when uh Uh, Batman forever came out, but I, I was too young for it, you know? So the first exposure I got to Batman was the Batman, the animated series. Mm -hmm. It it was the Kevin Conroy portrayal, you know, and, and uh, my mom took me to see Batman mask of the phantasm in theaters because I was so into the character. And, you know, there's a photo in my parents photo album at home of my aunt. My grandmother took me someplace. I don't even remember where, but she got me a gift and she got me the Batman Batmobile toy you know this this huge thing which you could you could drive it around you know with your hand cuz hey back then we didn't have remote controls for everything you know, you could drive around and it even had the, these little spike things you could extend from the wheels. and like, oh, hey, you're going to slice this person's tire. There's a photo of me in the backseat of my grandmother's car asleep holding this thing oh, no. that I like. I loved it that much. My mother had a, a little book, and I'm sure a lot of you have these too, but my mother had this little book of like, you would put my, my school photo in it. And like, oh, here's my age and here's my teacher and here's my favorite subject and here's what I like to eat. But at the bottom of it, it would say what I want to be when I grow up. And there was a solid three, four years I put Batman <laughs> because of this show, you know. So, yeah. and, and in all honesty, I wouldn't have gotten into half of the comic stuff. I would have without this show because watching this show led me to discover uh, the Adam West series just because I was already watching the show. I was, remember watching Guts on Nickelodeon on a Saturday. Guts got finished. while so I was flipping channels looking for something to find and I, and I stumbled across a re-airing on TV land. And, I, and I'm like, oh, hey, it's Batman. But I'm like, oh, this could be cool. And I remember being really confused because in the animated series, he's got the grapple gun and he's swinging around through the air. Mm-hmm. And in, in the Adam West series, he's walking up the side of a building. Yeah. And I remember looking at my dad going, dad, why is he walking up the side of a building when he's got a grapple gun? And, and Dad tried gave me some answer or whatever, but that then led me to to Super Friends because they started re airing Super Friends on Cartoon Network, you know, and and so I was like, hey, there's there's Batman, you know, and it just led one thing to another. So to Kevin Conroy, you know, I say thank you. You will be very much missed, and honestly, the character won't be the same without you. Just because no disrespect to you know to the Christian Bale or Ben Affleck or Pattinson. You know, or Val Kilmer or, or, you know, even hell, even George Clooney, you know, as much shit as he gets or any of the other actors who have voiced him over the years. Just nobody to me holds a candle to Kevin Conroy. And I thank you for everything.
0: Yeah. No, this definitely hurt. I, you know, I grew up on Batman, the animated series, and I've always stated on this show that I've never been a huge Batman fan. And that show made me a Batman fan. I know that. I always read the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo run mm-hmm. with Kevin Conroy's voice. Oh, I do as, too. As, as the voice.
1: Anything that's not already voiced.
0: I'm hearing Kevin Conroy's voice. Yeah. Cause you, you have to think about this too. He doesn't get enough credit no. for being Batman because everybody expects the live action from the movie. Sure. But for what he did, he was Batman. Oh yeah. And you can't say otherwise. Like, like, sure he wasn't in a, a movie per se mm-hmm. but you think about what he made on the small screen oh yeah in a show that listen if it wasn't for batman the animated series i mean how many other shows would be blowing up right now not many like let's let's like seriously talk about this how groundbreaking his work was that being at that time voice acting wasn't like the big thing it is no, now no but how he made that into taking over a role that had been acted yeah. live action for years. Oh yeah. And he has carved in his own side of the Mount Rushmore of Batman mm-hmm. with just that work alone. Let alone till he goes into the video games and oh, the other yeah. and you know the other he, anime he project.
1: And movies and the shows, yeah.
0: Yeah, like to, just to see the work that he's done, you know, is just a credit to just how amazing he was. Yeah. And like I say, this one I know we were talking with a lot of our content, creating friends on Friday. And uh-huh. just like when news hit, it was like,
1: I, w- I was legitimately holding back tears yeah, and sobbing for most of Friday. Yeah. And I got home and I would already been kind of thinking about rewatching any the animated series. Cause it, it's been a while. It's been a couple of years since I watched it, but this pushed me over the edge to watch. So I started watching it on HBO max. And then my girlfriend came over and she had heard and, and son, you know, she was kind of comforting me and I just started bawling like, not even ashamed to admit it. I just started full fledged bawling into her lap just because he meant that much to
0: me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too, and especially like we know when we've gone to New York Comic Con, yeah, and just how much he was just
1: oh my god the the line, you know, because he'd do autographs and you know for for hours. And just you'd, you'd always walk by there just to, just to see who was there, just because you'd see the folks.
0: Oh, sure, yeah. You'd see
1: the folks announce for photos, but it would always be kind of interesting to see who was there for photos. And he always had a long line. Yeah. Always.
0: And, and you know what? He always took the time to really make everybody feel important down there, too. Yeah. Like, that was the thing. Like, we've known people that gone up and got stuff signed from him. And he has just always made it such a memorable experience. You know, like, I always regret I didn't go to go see Same. him. Same. You know, like I like I say, it was always like something I meant to do and I just never did. It yeah, it's just it, I never
1: I never had anything for him to, you know, just because I I've, I've never owned I've only had the toys and the toys are long since gone. You know, I yeah. I, I donated them away years ago because I'm like, oh, I don't need these anymore. You know, I've wanted you know the blue I wanted the Blu-ray collection of the animated series for so long, but then they came out on HBO Max, so that kind of put that on the back burner. You know, I've wanted the Blu-ray collection of Mask of the Phantasm when that came out, but then again, it came out on HBO Max so that kind of put that on the back burner mm-hmm. you know but I, I, I always wanted his own, but I never had anything autographed by him and it, and, it, and it got it's it's tragic irony you know I got a my birthday was last week I got a $25 gift card to Barnes and Noble for my birthday you know and I went I went to Barnes and Noble on Saturday to try and find something and, and for all the years, I never had anything to sign by him. I was perusing the graphic novel section just because there's a lot of graphic novels, especially some of the seminal stories I don't have. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking. And, of course, he had just died. So I'm looking through the Batman stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of in a Batman mood. And what did I find? Volume two or season two of the continuation of Batman, oh, the animated man. series, which I had not even seen. You know, I own, um, you know, basically all of season one, volume one on Comicsology. You know, but I had not seen a collection of that in trade paperback. But the day after he died, I finally saw season two, volume two, the continuation of the animated series. Yeah, And I'm just like,
0: wow. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely hits just the impact he did and just, you know, how many fans he's connected with. And, you you know, just the legacy he's left behind. It's, It's a long shadow. Yeah. Like he will always be remembered and just. Do yourself a favor if you, for whatever reason, haven't checked out his stuff that he's done—the yeah. animated series. The it's the, all it's
1: all on HBO Max.
0: Yeah, do yourself a favor and go do that. And in fact, I'll even say go check out Mask of Phantasm.
1: Mask of the Phantasm is a good one. Um, if you don't have HBO Max for whatever reason and you want to get in and you haven't seen any of his portrayals, look up the scene from Justice League Unlimited. Um, I forget the episode name, but just just go to YouTube and type "Batman sits with Ace."
0: yeah from
1: justice league oh, justice damn. league unlimited and prepare to have your heartstrings ripped out yeah because that is the best scene kevin conroy did as batman bar none
0: yeah definitely hit us up on that hashtag hashtag od page pod let us know what your favorite kevin conroy episode was mm-hmm. of the animated series I, I know i was like talking about that i know we've had so many conversations with fellow fans this yeah. weekend and you know definitely want to keep that through and like on behalf of everybody here we are Deepest condolences go out to Kevin Conroy's family, friends, and fans all over the world. Like, he will be always remembered, Mm -hmm. and you know, his legacy will live on forever. Yeah. Uh, On that note, you know, we'll just keep it very short and sweet. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. For the one and only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.